0: Yeah, today I feel pretty well. Um, I think I thought I've been like compact and close, aggressive to the home play with every pitch, like fastball, changeup, and, you know, breaking ball. So I think that was the big key for me tonight. That was Jose Barrios after a career high or a career high matching 13 strikeouts yesterday. The Toronto Blue Jays starting this six game homestand leading up to the All-Star break the 4-3 win over the Philadelphia Phillies. And Kevin, I will uh, start out by asking the same question I asked you on Blue Jays' talk yesterday. The Jays with Danny Jansen behind the plate this year have a 700 winning percentage, 14 14 out of 20. Uh, Danny Jansen back in the lineup last night caught Jose Barrios' Didn't use pitch calm unless there was a runner in second base. Seemed to have a real good pace. Very little shaking off. 31 curves, 51 fastballs, 24 of them four seamers, 12 changes, 51 swings, 20 whiffs. Curveball, velo, exactly where you want it to be. 82-7 around there. So how much of that do you think? Came from the fact that Danny uh, that that Danny Jansen was behind the plate.
1: I said that's a that's a very hard question to answer. You, you know the, the stat that you mentioned about them with a seven what was it a seven fifty winning percentage with It's Dan- only twenty games. With Dan- right. with Dan- yeah, it is. I, I I'm not real sure. You'd have to go back and do some digging on how many hits and what they did with runners in scoring position and who was hot offensively and who was throwing and how did they feel. But there's no doubt that just by watching, you don't even have to be a baseball fan or a Blue Jays fan. What's the difference between Alejandro Kirk? We all love Kirkie. And... and- any other catcher that they've had behind the plate that's not Danny Jansen, look at the difference. Look at the setup. Look at the presentation. Look at what he does with his glove. Look with, you know, how wide he gets when he wants a breaking ball, how much he puts his head out in front a little bit lower. That way, the misses, because you don't throw... Perez doesn't throw a bazillion miles an hour. So when he throws a breaking ball in certain sort of counts and the sequencing, and if he wants to go back-to-back back with breaking balls, the misses have to be knocked good great. And for him to give a setup with wider base which puts Danny a little lower, which gives Barrios the target of where he wants to start the breaking ball, which is the head, the forehead. So that way when it breaks, it's breaking off the plate. It's not staying on the plate. And it's on the plate at 82. That's good hitting. That's back leg city. If it's off the plate, that could be a swing and miss or a take to live to fight another day kind of thing. You know, if he wants the ball elevated, his feet are a little closer together. His head's higher. The target's higher. That way the misses would be better. If I'm seeing that, Barrios is seeing it, and and that's, it's all about the presentation. We we've you you've talked to Pete Walker. I've talked to Pete Walker all the time. You've talked to catchers. You you list the pitchers. Talk. Kevin Gosman was talking about Marino when he was here about the setup. Uh, Ross Stripling was talking about that just by when he wants to throw it, where he wants to set set up. The higher you are. Means you want that pitch to be in a certain area, but you want it to end up in a mm-hmm. better spot and not on the plate just because of where the catcher's setting up. You watch Danny. It's just all the things you mentioned about not using pitchcom. That sounds simple. Okay, for a guy just to go, okay, we're not gonna use it today. I'm gonna use fingers just to give you a better pace and have you have in a getting a better rhythm. But a runner on second base, I'm going to use it. Sounds simple just to tell a catcher to do it. But it can't be the easiest thing to do, right? You get in the flow, too, as a catcher. Mm -hmm. And sort of you want to keep him in the flow and just to be able to. Now, the ultimate goal is just not let a guy on second base. But it happened last night. So you still have to have that relationship back and forth, the man alive. Like, again, you don't have to be an expert, you know, baseball talk talker to watch Danny behind the plate and the way the fingers are being put down and the setup and the presentation of the glove. Like when he wanted a breaking ball to just sort of give him the sign, have a little, I'm going to lay the glove out in front. This is where I want it to end up. I'm not telling him that, but I'm telling you this is where I want it. It's just little things like that. Sounds simple, looks simple. It's baseball one-on-one. You gave a guy 130 million bucks. He should know how to do that. But occasionally, you need a little help. And when Danny's back, you could tell, like, they were just on the same page. There's a little loving there. Like, I like
0: it with you back there. Yeah, it's. I I, I just. I'm not going to turn this into Danny Jansen. Uh, but before you lovely, start, Barrios
1: but... is the one with the baseball. He is the one, like the, we started the That's... show with, the pace and getting it out in front and how aggressive he was. He's still the one throwing That's... the baseball. That's Forget what about was... what all the catcher things does. Barrios, give him a lot of credit.
0: I was gonna, I was gonna ask you though. You, you do that when you're comfortable with your catcher. Sure, absolutely. You got to right. be. You do that when you you, 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 you trust the guy behind the plate.
1: You do. You got to have confidence in all your mechanics and getting it out in front and snapping the, the breaking ball. That's a big deal with him. He really wants to get it out there and snap. He's manipulating it with his thumb. You can tell he's got some 12 six. He's got one that done break now, it gets the lefty OO, oh, oh, the back door. Mm-hmm. That's hee haw. There's not too many lefties that are going, Oh, I used to be a lefty. It's not too many going to go up and look for a back door breaking ball and try and hit it to left center. You're not going to finesse it over there. You want to hammer it over there. And if a guy can do that, be unpredictable, oh oh! All of a sudden, that opens up everything with two strikes. So he's unpredictable. Two strikes. He's unpredictable, oh oh! He had a good flow. He had a good pace. He had a lot of confidence. And confidence beats the guy on the on deck circle.
0: Yeah. He's got another start. He'll he'll get the ball Sunday uh, in the final game of the uh, before the All Star break for the Blue Jays against Kansas City. Ross Stripling starts tonight for the Blue Jays against Zach Wheeler. Kevin Gossman goes Thursday leave just had a brain fart here um but uh yeah kevin Gossman. well i go, think that was the word could go thursday they um they wanted to see how he felt after That's his the bullpen yesterday rotation right for the next okay couple there days. you days. Go. so gossman possibly thursday manoa friday castillo saturday but
1: manoa has
0: an extra day because he, he could go on thursday right okay but it charlie said that charlie said that he thought if Gossman felt okay after yesterday's bullpen mm-hmm. that that he would uh he would likely go. And it's funny because he was, you know, he, Charlie talking yesterday about well, Gossman threw a pen today and da 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 oh yeah and Kikuchi threw a pen today as well. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> and then I mean, we just kinda we just uh it just kinda moved on. Get
1: you look it over here and actually throw it in there. That's
0: what it is. Moved on from there. Uh, we mentioned 4-3, the uh, Phillies without Alec Bohm, JT uh, Real Muto, of course. This British Open. Ooh. Hey, right Bryce there. Harper and uh, something British, Open. Open. British Open. <laughs> Bryce Harper, Gene Segura, Camargo. That kind of surprised me a little bit there. Uh, are out of the lineup for the Phillies. Kansas City's coming in town. We expect the Kansas City Royals to be without a bunch of guys who were unvaxxed, one of them Andrew Benintendi. So I guess we can lay to rest any rumors about Andrew Benintendi. Coming to Toronto, but let's go back to last night's game. Lourdes Gurriel, Jr., Kevin, four for four. Uh, I got the infield hit, ground rule double. I asked you this, and I'll ask you again today, because I know that you wanted to go into a little more detail and we have more time. What makes a streaky hitter streaky? That's a
1: million-dollar question, and, I, and I'm not sure that, that khakis or, or an organization that have actual players that actually go through that have any idea what player that is. player may not know why it is. Absolutely not. I, I do think that this game is so mental that, you know, it's funny that Lourdes is the guy we're talking about, had a really good spring training, hitting balls everywhere, just <laughs> hammering baseball, and the first month of the season couldn't hit a ball for T. Yep. Like it, it is, for me anyway, he is a long-limb guy. And a lot of the times long limb guys lose direction a little easier than shorter shorter arm, more compact guys who can, you know, be a little bit more, I don't know, dramatic or, or a little bit more in tune with their lower half and landing in the same spot all the time, which the old saying is wherever your feet go, your hands go. And Lordis is one of those guys that has to have, you know, the good direction, the good landing spot, consistent landing spot repeat that over and over again, and that just takes it bats And then you add the mental part of it. You know, he's been through it. It's brought, been brought to his attention. Guillermo Martinez has talked about it. Again, I get back to this. We, we've had conversations about the at-bats change when they fall behind. Hitters are no different. When they go through little hiccups and it's been drawn to their attention, why? It's like Vladdy, the ball down and away. You add the little T, where you want uppercut. Well, you're throwing it to his attention that he can't hit that. <laughs> and you're trying to figure out ways to hit it. When guys go through little struggles, it's the exact same thing. So, for me, I, th- I think most of it is mental because he's a really good bat-to-ball guy. Now, he's got enough bat speed that he can hit velocity, he can get the head out. But that, for me, because getting the head out, didn't have elite bat speed, but he does have really good mechanics with his lower half when he's going good. And for me, that that mostly has to do with the mental part of baseball. But also, it is the long-limb thing. And and it's just it's – it is amazing how – You know, one month it is just looks like it looks now, where he is just, if it's away, he's hammering it to the right field, down the right field line. If it's in, he's getting, you know, the front foot down. He lands closed, which keeps his front side in, which is a big deal for long limb guys. Because if you land open, what's trailing? Your hands. And what happens? Your hands get longer, they get further away from your body, and you're playing catch up. And because your arms are longer than everybody else's, it's very hard to get barrel to velocity. When he lands close, keeps the front side in, the hands stay a little bit closer to your face, which means the barrels a little click quicker to the baseball, and he's hitting balls wherever he wants to hit them. I just think he's getting better pitches to hit, and it's the mental part of the game, and his mechanics are good.
0: Yeah, I'm happy because we talked about it in spring training, and one of the questions we had out of spring training is, who is the guy that could give you the year better than you expected from him? And I thought Lourdes Gurriel – I admit this is based on what everybody was telling me in spring training and what I was seeing. The He was unconscious in spring training. I but came out of that convinced. Better. We should have knew better. His, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we should have. In his last 20 games, he's hit safely in 17 of them. He's hitting 430 for 75, eight doubles, love eight doubles, two homers, 11 ribbies, got a 1.031 OPS. I'm going to put you on the spot because this is what we do on this show. All right.
1: We'll put you on the spot. If Jeff Blair, if the Toronto Blue Jays came to Jeff Blair, and said tomorrow, not today, because they're throwing this question on you today, tomorrow, tomorrow. You could change the lineup. Change the lineup.
0: Give me your first five guys. Oh, obviously George Springer, 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 Vladdy, uh, Lourdes, Bo, and then Kirk. It's a. It is a thought. That's something.
1: You, you know, the, I mentioned that you asked me this sort of. Well, we had a we had a caller
0: call in and ask us ask about the, Instead of about wanting to drop much, Vladdy in the lineup because Vladdy is scuffling. And, and
1: I said, no, I wanted <clears> to have a little bit more sense of urgency. Yeah. The urgency would be because he, he feels rush hitting second. Silly. <laughs> These guys are professionals. Him running off the field, he should be able to. Because it only happens once. Well, and the other it's thing only happening we've, once. We've, we've, we've. And it only happens at home.
0: Ex- that one. Yes.
1: So it's not like you know. It's not like it's all the time. Every single time he goes to to the plate, it's one time. So it just would seem like you know. Besides, there's a lot of other things for me anyway. When you watch him, his game planning befuddles me. Well, that's a big word for me. Befuddles me when I watch him. Got those
0: three syllables. How about three that? Three syllables I'm out there. Listening. Come on, I've been man. Listening to you. Let's go three syllables for Barker. <laughs> I've been li- I've been listening to you.
1: Whenever you try and sound smarter than everybody else. <laughs> That's true. I, it's, just, it's just funny that he tries to go up and hit a pitcher's best secondary pitch. When, you know, Marquise Grissom, and I, and I brought this up, and people that listen to me talk, I talk a lot about Marquise, and the one thing he told me is you're not going to make a living off hitting breaking balls. You're going to make your living off hitting fastballs and velocity, and especially in 2022, you would think it, when you're 23 years old you should just be free and easy and letting it eat why you would want to go up, it looks like oh oh, Till it bat's over. Yeah, it, Can you explain that to me? I know he's an off-the-field guy, and he will go watch video of similar hitters who face that certain guy, how that certain guy has pitched to that guy. And he sort of – that's how he makes up his game plan. But when you're having sort of the year he's having, why wouldn't you just simplify it that says stay within my strength, which is – I have a better chance of swinging at a strike because it's straighter. And I have a better chance of being on time, which I have been inconsistent with that all year with the second little start that I have going to the baseball, get my foot down and not flying open. You can see it all the time. He flies open and the head's flying and he's looking at the third base coach instead of the baseball. You can't hit what you can't see. But I, you just think simplifying it that much and not overthinking it and, it just it, 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 I'm really confused about that. I'm really confused why you have so many different people that could walk up to Vladdy and go, hey, I, this is what I'm seeing, and this is sort of what you're doing and why are you doing this when you could just simplify Santiago Espinal, having a good year. First thing out of his mouth is I try and stay up the middle and look for fastball. Simple approach, not trying to do too much. Why is he trying to stay up the middle? At that's length. To your barrel. Keeps the barrel in the hitting zone a long time. Don't want to have an alligator in and out. So just a thought. Not always going to hit it there. But you're thinking that because it keeps your barrel in the zone a long time. Why would a guy like Vladdy not want to do that?
0: It It is puzzling. It uh, is a little. It is puzzling. He got it. He did get it. He, he got a slump-busting single. <laughs> we call it a slump-busting single last night in his last at-bat. Rolled the ball through left field. Uh, three strikeouts, though. I, and and we've got we got to talk about the play. Okay, but before <laughs> before, me, you, before you do that, I don't you know want, they they you,
1: they did face how many pitchers? Six different pitchers last he, night.
0: But I think he got he got three different because I think Appel faced him twice, if I'm not mistaken.
1: But even I could be even wrong. even that further to my point is when you're facing that many different pitchers in one game, you got to simplify. You really don't know which way it's breaking, or you. But Fair you point. know how hard he throws. And, and maybe it moves, if it moves, would tell you to force it on the plate that much more. <laughs> that was my point. Get in an athletic position against velocity, and you can ju- adjust to the off-speed stuff. It just seems like he's backwards.
0: So let's talk about the play at first base uh, last night, because that was not a good look, say the least. Uh, fourth inning, the Jays of uh, Barrios has just given up a home run to Bryson Stott. Uh, is it Matt Verling? Yeah. Third base. Third baseman's at the plate. He strikes out swinging. Danny throws the ball to first base. <clears throat> Vladdy is late getting over to first. Mm-hmm. Uh, gets the ball and. Lollygag. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Gets the ball, doesn't touch the bag. Runner's called safe. Now, my first reaction to it, and I was sitting in the, the radio booth. Um, I thought the call was right. I didn't think my first reaction is, and I based mine on Vladdy's body language. I thought Vladdy didn't touch the bag. Now, Vladdy is looking into the dugout, and the, the Jays are going to decide whether to peel. And he's waving his arms. Shaking his head shaking no. Shaking his head no, no. You know, Giving a safe side. I, I didn't touch the bag, and, mm-hmm. and, and the Jays appealed the play. And it wasn't overturned, and they lost the review. Now they did go on and win the game, but you know social media uh, exploded. That's not a good look. And Vladdy, Vladdy's got a lot going on right now. I mean, mm-hmm. thank God, at least his glove held up for the whole game. At least the old the old brown the old brown glove. You know the I mean, I, I, I I don't know. Maybe he got his. Maybe Vladdy Senior had an old you know forty year old. Glove hanging around, but he got the old sounds brown like glove Wilson thing. Is happening. like
1: scrambling to get different models. It's not going to break. Well, that's what anyhow, it sounds like. Anyhow,
0: so at least that went okay. But and then Vladdy goes into the dugout and Luis Rivera talks to him, and I saw later on the camera just caught the tail end. John Schneider went over and put his arm around him. Of course, John Schneider's managed him longer than anybody in that in 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 that dugout or been around him longer than anybody in that dugout. I'll, again, you've played that position. I seem to be saying this a lot with you, but you've played that position, Kevin, put yourself in Vladdy's like nothing's going right for you. You're scuffling and you just screwed up and you know, you screwed up and oh my God, they're going to review it. And I basically got to sit and watch my screw up over and over and over and over again in the big screen. And I got to wait and it's, I mean, it was, I just don't get it. My first baseman's waving his arms like that. I'm, I've got, I got trust in the first base. Do
1: you want to play what Charlie said? And then Yeah, we'll talk let's about
0: play. Uh, Lance has a clip. This is Charlie Montoya, the manager of the Jay's talking after the game about that particular play. Hey Charlie, uh, going back to the fourth inning, I think it was, with uh, Vladdy at first base in that play where it looked like his his foot was off and, and, and you guys challenged. What was
1: your
2: perspective on on that play uh, as it unfolded?
1: We, we follow what the replay guy says. And it's funny, before the, the game, uh, the, home, the crew chief goes, you guys only got 20 seconds, so I'm not going to give you a chance like, like that. So we already knew that going in. So uh, the moment I heard challenge, a challenge, but then by, that, by the time I said challenge, Bloody jumping over there and don't, don't do it. So that's, that's how it went. And As you can see, it happened to the team. Like, he, didn't, he wasn't going to give anybody a chance, and
0: he, he, he warned us before the game. So the Jays, I don't know why the warning, I I mean, umpires, every now and then it's like NBA referees. They're given a checkpoint by the league office. You know, they'll be playing a certain team and they'll say, hey, this team, okay, we keep an eye out for this. They're doing this, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know, maybe, maybe major league baseball's decided that teams are taking too long for the review, whatever. Point is, uh, I I just I I go with my guy. I go with my guy in the field, because Look, my my initial reaction is, why would Vlad Vladdy's not going to tell you that the guy is safe if he unless he knows he's safe. Like that's there's no gray so many, area. So many, there's, there's so, so many there's no many there's
1: so many things wrong with what Charlie said there about the 20 seconds. It's been 20 seconds. I had, I looked it up. Has it changed. Like why 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 should an umpire have to tell you that it's 20 seconds and it's the fourth inning. Like like it's not like your pitcher on the mound stinks and you have to have that out. No, he's been dominating the yeah. Phillies. Like I know how big big time these games are. they are in the bottom of the lineup. I, I, I mean, mean it's, it's 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 just it's 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 a. I hate to say it this way. It's a way. panic move. It's a minor league look. I thought it was a. panic there, There's move. There, there's thirty. There's thirty is an exaggeration. but There's a ton of, of coaches in that dugout who should be paying attention to the player on the field who is closer to the play than you are. And if that player feels that strongly enough about that he missed the bag and it's not even close in his mind and don't be doing that because it's too early in the game and that guy on the mound is dominating that other team. It's my mistake. Don't challenge because we may need it when a runner's on second base and the other team's first baseman traps a ball that hit the net and, and you y- might need an extra swing and maybe you need to challenge that. It's just, it's not a good look. Because obviously, it sounds like a lot of coaches were paying attention to John Snyder instead of paying attention to what was going on in the field, and everybody was in a hurry.
0: The other thing, too, I got to say And there's this, no excuse for it. I got to say this, Kevin. It, it, if you're Vladdy, I, I'm hoping that he's also thinking, my guy's just giving up a home run. Like, let's, the pace is good, though. Let's not slow this yeah, down but with the, the home run was a really good pitch. Yeah, but, Every, but, occasionally but, but, a big but league I'm saying but going to beat saying. you do slow this down with a freak! Yeah, I don't review, think right? that was it. He, I think he thought
1: what you were thinking is, I screwed up and I don't want to have to pay attention f- to it for the next four or five minutes. Right. I think that was it. You know, you, he was playing over because it was a right-handed hitter, so he's playing a little bit more in the hole, and he just didn't have an urgency to get the first base. you got to get over there quickly. I tried to play first. got to get over there quickly because if you don't, and you're on the run and the catcher's trying to throw to you, the play is off. The throw is off. You have to reach over, and now it's it's very hard for the foot to find the back. It's mm. very hard. Exactly what he went through. So yeah, I would just love Char to come on that thing and said, Hey, we screwed it up. It won't happen again. Say that. What can we say then? one, every, every once in a while, human beings make mistakes. Say that. That's what I just don't understand about that. But you just come on after the game, being asked a really good question, question that need to be answered and say, we messed it up as a coaching staff. Won't happen again. We should have trusted our players and been paying attention. I, don't say the twenty-second thing, and we've been warned. And
0: and the all-star break can't come soon enough for Vladi, though, can it? I mean, it just can't. It get here tonight. You said
1: to me yesterday that he might need to go in the home run I... derby, and I'm almost in the in that camp with you. He needs to find his mojo. He needs to have some
0: attention drawn to him. That's really good attention. Well, I just made the point. Look, I'm not a fan of guys going in the home run derby because yeah, we we hear every now and then the guys go in it and it you know wrecks their swing and yada yada. Cetera, and, and all of this stuff. Juan Soto don't think so. Juan Soto doesn't think so. He thinks it helps his uh, swing. Pete Alonso certainly doesn't think so. And 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 exactly Juan Soto. I, I just I just threw this out <clears throat> when we were texting. Vladdy doesn't look to me like he's having fun. You know, he still does a throw in the water, the ice water on folks and and, and all that stuff. But it's a different it's 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 just a different Vladdy. And I, I don't know. I understand he, you know, maybe there's an injury situation that's in weighing against it, but it could be worse things than Vladdy to kinda of go out there and try to put a show on. And just have fun and just you know, yuck it up with 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 the rest of the players, with the rest of the players in the game and and be on the field and Go up and just swing free and easy. Just swing for the fence. Don't worry about you're hitting the ball or what the counter is, what the pitch is going to be. That's just something I thought about. I, I It would make something a little bit of sense. About. He
1: would have to have buy into that. I don't think the Blue Jays no, would you're keep, not tell would the guy keep to him to. from doing it. I think if he wanted to do it, he'd be out there doing it. Yeah. I personally think it would be good for him. I, I think sometimes elite players, and he's an elite offensive player. I'll still I'll still stick with that. He should yeah, be he the is. best right-handed hitter in baseball. Yes. He has an OPS of eight twenty-five, and he hasn't had a good year. I mean, he's got nineteen homers and fifty-four RBIs. He's hitting two sixty-six. That's not a Vladimir Guerrero junior year. But most baseball players would take that half a year. <laughs> Certainly most, would. Baseball there are guys players who take that, that, that for a half full year. year.
0: They take it for a full absolutely, year, some dudes.
1: Absolutely. I mean he's still on pace for close to forty, and he's gonna drive in ninety plus. That's that's a real good year. But that's not a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and expectations. And he knows what he's going through and all the things that people are seeing and, and what he's feeling and the overswinging. And sometimes I hate to say this, Jeff, but he looks overmatched. I mean, I hate to say
0: that. Well, there were, he there looks were a couple overmatched. of that batch last night where he I was. don't
1: think that's because of that. I just think he the game plan that he had last night was not good. Not good. Like he knew he was, a, he knew it was a bullpen game and he was looking for something that other people can't hit. So why are you looking for it? The year you're, you're having, you ain't hitting 420. If you were hitting 400, then go up and look for guys breaking ball. Then you're allowed to do that because you're doing special things to multiple different pitches. But right now it looks to me like you just need to try and simplify that as much as possible and try your best to get a good pitch that you can hit, not a good pitcher's pitch. A good pitch to hit, and I'm with you. I think that would be good for him. He's not going to do it, and it's wishful thinking. But all the things that's going on with the broken gloves, and and you know the play that happened last night, and the the optics of him calling safe and no, and and the way his at bats look like he needs. He just needs to go out and look like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And I just think it'd be easier for a guy throwing 55 miles an hour to look that way. He needs
0: to go out and hit some home runs. Absolutely. Just Just hit some balls into the seats. Absolutely. Just to see what, remember what it feels like. It'll be Zach Wheeler against Ross Stripling tonight, as we mentioned, 707. First pitch on Sportsnet 590, the fan and Sportsnet. We have tickets to give away for the July 27th game against the St. Louis Cardinals. Joe Siddle joins us. Jonathan Papelbon, host of the Blackjack and Pap podcast, former MLB closer. He'll be along at 1130. Barker's back Leg Bits. And when we come back, Doug Glanville of ESPN, Marquee Sports Network, and co-host of the Starkville podcast will join us. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet 360, and as always, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your favorite podcast.
2: Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Shout out to the Baltimore Orioles, by the way. They're 500, as we all predicted. I was all over that. I think I had the Orioles. They, they were one of the wild card teams that I picked.
1: It's better than the Marlins.
0: The AL East, also as we all predicted, has every team over 500.
1: That's five hundred best division in
0: baseball. It's not even close. 44 and 44.
1: It's not the even Orioles.
0: close. Your Blue Jays, Kevin Barker, are 46 Appreciate and 42. That. I'll take it. The Red Sox are forty-seven and forty-one. My Rays are forty-seven and forty, and nobody's. New York Yankees are sixty-one and twenty-six. Oof. But that's something that five teams over five five hundred or better in that division.
1: Yeah. Good luck being a c- good consistent team in this division. It's hard. It's not easy. Got you. Got, you got a lot of teams who can spend tons of money. You got the Blue Jays who'll want to spend some money or more money, and you got the Orioles who. I don't know if this is pushing along the process, but you would have to think you're in that organization. Moving the fence back has told your fan base and your players something.
0: Well, you've got a plan. You've got a plan.
1: Yeah, and maybe this has pushed the plan up a little quicker.
0: Yeah. Anyhow, it uh, is interesting. It is. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. We watched the uh, Rays and the Red Sox a little bit last night as well, and I want to talk to our next guest. Uh, about that is we'll, we'll, we'll take a look at major league baseball. We're what uh, today's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Tuesday, five days away from the all-star break. Doug Glanville of ESPN, marquee sports network and co-host of the Starkville podcast mm. joins us And Blair and Barker. Doug, thanks so much for taking time out to uh, talk to us today. I don't want to, I'm not going to approach it the same. I, I heard the podcast you and Jason did with Ken Rosenthal and, and Tyler looking at that kind of the first half of the season, but I, I, I I wanted to drill down a little more if we could at least at the start on the AL East because Chris Sale came back last night looked really good, um, you know, and clearly took some of the edge that he had in the uh, tunnel after that uh, being after that horrible minor league start when he when he went out and kind of trashed the tunnel in Worcester took a little bit of that energy out onto the field last night. Look, I've kind of thought all along when you look at the AL East that those three teams. That the Red Sox are the one team that has the most room for internal improvement because they're going to get Yavaldi back, they're getting Sale back. That should mean Garrett Whitlock gets to go into the bullpen. Hopefully, things even out. How do you see the East from your vantage point? How do you see it shaking out right now?
2: Yeah, and uh, yeah, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's it's great to be back. I mean, it's the thing about the East is you mentioned the parity. Uh, you have great teams that are beating up on everybody else, pretty much, <laughs> you know, and they're they're in the boxing ring together. But they are, you know, they have a lot of upside, and and to me, a lot of that upside is just by getting healthy. And so it's a good point to look at Boston, because you know when you lose two frontline starters or at least anchors to your rotation and the potential of them just getting back to form then all of a sudden you're in a different game. I mean it changes your whole bullpen, you know, how it's constructed, how everybody's used. And that's it's such a jolt that you need going into the second half of the season because as we know, you know, shortened spring training, all the issues 2020 pandemic, you know, these starters are just trying to figure out how to go deeper into games. And for the most part, the solution is just shorten their starts. And right now we're looking at the lowest average start you know, may well be in history but certainly last year. It's under mm-hmm. five innings. Uh, so when you look at numbers like that, you say, well, any team that can get some starters, <laughs> whether by trade or by just being healthy has a huge advantage. But if it's just a health issue, then now you don't have to give up chips. You don't have to make moves and it buys you some time, possibly even into the future because you're not giving up prospects. You're not doing all these moves that could disrupt the, you know, sort of the gelling of the team. So, uh, you know, I see the, the Jays, all these teams, uh, you know, beating up on each other. And that's the only window where other teams outside of that division may sneak in. You look at Seattle or, as you mentioned, Baltimore is on fire. And I'm, I'm actually doing the Cubs Orioles series right now. And, mm. you know, they're tough, man. <laughs> their back of their bullpen was like late out. I was like, hmm, these guys are, you know, you know they know how to pitch at, at the right time. so. Just tremendous talent in that division,
1: Doug. I want you to take us inside a, a player's perspective when it comes to getting close to the All Star break and having those days off. If you're not an All Star and you're and you're getting to go, you know, home or do whatever it is. When I was in the minor leagues, I was always thinking about whether I wanted to spend the money to to fly home. That was my little thing. You didn't make a ton of money at the minor league level. You that was more the thought process of. You know, instead of me trying to get healthy or get hot that way. But as a big leaguer, we'll flip this around sort of to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Me and Jeff been having these conversations about the quality of his at-bats and could the All-Star break. Now he's going to the All-Star game. But could that help him, give him a jolt? You mentioned that word, jolt. And that's sort of, you can relate that to individual players. Is that something that everyday players think about? And in your mind, and your past experiences, do you think that would help?
2: It definitely can help. I mean, uh, you know, I remember my first at bat going into the second half of ninety nine, I had a home run at Fenway. I was like, Okay you know, so <laughs> I was like, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, so I mean, you know, I learned over time with experience, you you figure out how to use it effectively if you're not certainly fortunate to be in the game itself. Uh, you know, for, for me, I mean I went to a Hall Notes concert in Colorado one time. I was like, All right, I'm gonna regroup and just go see some live music, you know, I just so uh, you know, you realize that the 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 dimension the, the of how you're frequently out there playing every day, and just the commitment you're making—you know—you miss weddings, you miss funerals, you miss a lot of things, and there's just a chance to reset, see family in a different kind of light, where you actually have a day off or a couple of days off, and you know that allows you to regroup. I, I was always afraid to take too much time off of just not picking up a bat. My my rule was that if I had three days where I didn't swing a bat, my swing was kind of broken. I had always had to put it back together. So for me it was important to just, you know, stay sharp. But mentally to, to get out of the grind for a minute and just say, okay, let me think about you know what this means and what we can do uh, you know, I joke a lot about the off, you know the off season. that say I'd love to make a T-shirt saying 10 things you figure out in the off season," <laughs> and it's like, and I'd same thing it. for the All-Star break. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, of course, if I just like if that leg kick a little bit higher, everything's perfect until so you get back in the batter's <laughs> box. That's,
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I'd buy that shirt too. I would too. That's not a bad idea. That's uh, not a bad idea. Hey, uh, <laughs> who uh, who do you think is poised to surprise us after the All-Star break team? Which team do you think is poised to maybe go in a run or, or maybe go in a reverse run, maybe a team that is
2: is is you know, going to have a tougher time than we thought? So just across the league I mean yeah. I mean I, 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 I look at it like who am I? I didn't see the Cleveland Indians or well the Guardians now gladly. I didn't see the Cleveland Guardians where they are. they're so young. Mm-hmm. I mean this is a young team, and I guess my relationship with Terry Francona it allows me not to be totally surprised because he's mm. so good with young players. Uh, I remember coming up, you know, into Philly, finally getting my first starting job with them. And, you know, he, we had a pretty young team, you know, you think about Roland, and Lieberthal and the Breu and so on. Yeah. And, you know, he was, he was just great with us. Gave us a, a lot of bandwidth laid back. And I think the thing he needed to kind of figure out at the time was more the X's and O's, right? The strategic and with the, I, I say, see him as a tremendous beneficiary of how analytics has played a role because that, those are areas like he didn't want to necessarily, you know, go super deep in because he was such a human humanity based you know, manager. And so that, you know, that was something surprising. I didn't think that I thought this was like a rebuild season. Mm-hmm. And so I, I watch them because you, you know, they're they're good. You know, they they're they're a good team. And, and it's not just like, oh yeah, they just kind of like you know got lucky here and there. there's things that you always can bite any team, but once again, if you stay healthy so that, that's one team I'm mean, we watching the Orioles now and, and they they definitely surprised me. I picked Seattle from jump to to do well, and they were they had disappeared, and they don't have a whole lot of offense or at least production wise, and then they rattled off you know eight so eight in a row. So teams like that, you know when you get on these streaks and you have divisions that are this tight. That changes everything, and that's what we're looking at this season. Just these teams are all bunched together, and it looks like it's who's going to be able to time it out, you know, and you can't control this, of course, uh, at the right time. And you go on a run in September, like the Braves or something last year, uh, you're looking at a situation where you could find yourself in the World Series.
1: Doug, sometimes I like to sit around and play GM, and and, and you look at the LA Angels and they're 38 and 50, and you start thinking to yourself, man, if I could call – and have conversations whether they may think about eating some money with Mike Trout and what it would take to trade for him or Shohei Ohtani, what it would take to trade for him, or Noah Syndergaard. Is there any chance that you think the LA Angels, because they they don't seem like they're a team or an organization that's given up, like they'll spend some money and they'll spend a lot of useless money. Do you think it's it's worthy for a, a GM that's contending, that looks at the Angels and may make a phone call, that they might have a chance of trading for one of those three players?
2: Whew. I mean, I don't see how you can trade Otani ever, um, or, I mean, until he has the power. Um, Mike Trout either. I mean, you have basically two of the greatest players mm-hmm. of generations. I mean, that's it's hard to do, which also speaks to why you have to pitch <laughs> to win. <laughs> I mean, you know, you have these guys on the field, and Rendon has kind of been a disaster and you know, so that's a, that's a big money loss right now, and and also just hasn't been productive. So you have that problem. You know, you, when you if you're going to sign outside of pitching, then you need to you know you kind of need to hit the bullseye. Uh, you know, you can't you can't miss on these big signings and then tie up all this money where you can't acquire pitching. So I point squarely on their pitching. You know, they haven't they you know Syndergaard you know, may still you know have that sort of met swagger back in the day and be a guy that. Has value, but why not? You know, you build around. If you have the money to spend, it's all in the arms. And so you can, and you watch a lot of these teams, Seattle and so on, like, and and even with the Jays, right? I mean, if Barrios is pitching like he could pitch, and he's had a pretty good July, then you're like, oh, this is a different situation. They have Gosman, you have they have guys that are pitching really well in the rotation. Uh, one thing that just keeps biting them is they're just giving up a ton of home runs. So where you, and and that just shows right there. You can have all the offense in the world. But you're still going to fight around 500 because you're not executing on the pitching side. So to me, that's the Angels' problem. Um, they they just haven't been able to be consistent on that side. And it doesn't matter who you have. So if you want to sell tickets and you got you know the fanfare of these great players, it's, it's definitely important to your business model. Uh, then you have to find a way to get these guys winners. Because everybody who who loves the game looks at Otani and Trout and says. I want these guys to win. <laughs> you, just, you just want to see them in the World Series, the best stage, because th- what they do is magical day in, day out, and they're just not in a position to showcase it.
0: Our friend Mr. Stark uh, wrote an article on The Athletic yesterday about uh, yet another experiment Major League Baseball is uh, is attempting with uh, to to do away with the shift or to restrict the shift, and we're going to see it in the Florida State League. And it's essentially going to be uh, a pie-shaped V area behind second base—it's almost—and and, I—I like the way Jason described it. It's almost like you know you're creating a—you're you're creating a restricted zone for defense. And I mean, other other sports have done that, right? And the NHL's fiddled around with the area behind the net and where the goalie can go, and of course basketball—you know, three seconds in the key, all, all that stuff. I like the idea, frankly, of opening up the middle for hitters but at the same time giving managers freedom to put guys where they want. It's, it seems to me like this may be a way of kind of splitting the difference here. And, and, and Doug, I mean, you, both, both of you guys paid, uh, played. Uh, I got to think that if you're a hitter, having that, that middle open it, it just changes your perspective of things.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I look at it as, <clears throat> and I don't know how much of this is sort of the old school traditional thinking on it but i know it was such a success when you squared up a ball and you hit it right back to where it was coming from right (laughs) that was just Mm -hmm. that was like the ultimate contact point right and you you were just like yes and you know that seems like it should be rewarded right i mean yeah you might line out to center or something like that or right to but overall like that space was sort of this you know ground, hollowed ground of like safety, right? Okay, I yes. did everything right. I hit the ball right up the middle. And the pitcher makes a play. Hey, you know, great job. But, you know, coming back at you on 100 is pretty hard to do. And and so, yeah, if they have a wedge or they limit zones where they say, okay, here's your position, and, you know, you say, okay, this is good. I mean, you, I, when I see Manny Machado catch a ball in the right field corner, I'm like, what what is going on? Okay, what, what's happening here? You know, you know, so it's like, you know, like, and you know, it's and you see the the third baseman sprinting to you know right field and then back. I see the Austin Riley and all these guys. So yeah, I, they're gonna have to figure out prioritize what they want to value. And as you know, my, my good friend Tom Murray would say, you you reward what you value. So if you That's value right, these right. things, then you then you have to really put the the things in place to make sure that stays true. And that's, you know, to me, you know, shifting, I look, Hey, I get it. You, you, you have all this time, put people in the right position. It it just worked. They were really good at it. And now you're questioning, you know, how offense is constructed. If you're a lefty, you hit the ball on the ground, you're out. So you're, you know, you have to hit the ball in the air. And then you get into this cycle of, I got to hit home runs or, you know, all these things play to itself. I remember talking to Barry Bonds a few years ago at the cage And I asked him about shifting and he was like uh, immediately offended. But of course now he was (laughs) just productive, but he said, he's like, well, okay, fine. The shift is going to stop me from hitting 400. (laughs) Only he, only he could talk that way, but (laughs) he said, he said, but it won't stop me from hitting 330 with slug. You know, and I thought that was interesting, right? If you have that ability, but that's going to, that's why it changes the focus. I think it will address more than just the vacuum cleaners of taking away singles I think it's just so the points of emphasis as a hitter yeah. will, would also change and you know you want to see the ball in play you want to see action you want things happening and you know right now it's just you know home runs and balls in the air and all the the, the great teams have high ground ball rates now you know yeah. because it's just hard to get hits on ground balls
0: it was funny because last night uh, Kyle Schwarber let off the game for the Phillies and the Jays immediately went to the four-man outfield. And Schwarber walks up to the plate and taps and Danny. And counted him. And counted him. He taps Danny Jansen on the on the pad, you know, on the, on the knee pad, taps the umpire, looks out, and you can see him. He, he takes one, his finger. He's going one, two, three. It was like, you know, it's like a... a an nfl official before the kickoff making sure everybody's got 11 men in the field it was it was and he was it was and he was laughing when he did it and jansen was laughing as well but it was just it was one of those moments it was very funny it was like trying to figure out
2: where everybody was (laughs) right i mean and, and you know there's it's like a visual look and that's so comforting for for fans right who are just familiar with the sport and you know, the traditions of it sticking in certain, you know, structures, right. It's like you see the warning track and you see the running lane, you know, two things I think are kind of overrated by the way, but Mm -hmm. you see it and you're like, Oh yeah. And the bases are spaced a certain way. And and yes, is it, is all these things forever? No, but, uh, but baseball is slower to change in those regards. And you want to be very thoughtful about, about it because, you know, you have four man outfields and all this craziness and, uh, and, yeah, so it is a very reasonable thing to say, all right, here's here's your zone. You know, this is your zone. And you, you declare a certain position. If you're a right fielder, this is where you can play. And you can do anything you want in that area. But, you know, I mean, that's that's certainly a way to address it. And I, I'm sure they're going to be making some change. It's just a matter of how, how far they're going to go.
1: Uh, last one before I let you go. which organization in New York, the Mets or the Yankees, in mm-hmm. your mind, have to make the biggest splash at the trade deadline.
2: Easy question. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the Mets have to do something because they're the Braves are on their neck, you know, yeah. and, and the Phillies aren't far behind. It's just the, it's just their positioning. Now, the Yankees. I mean, their you know their splash is like to just keep everybody out of the way. You know, I mean, you know, back in the day, <laughs> you remember they wasn't it them they signed like Jose Canseco just to keep him from the Red Sox, like yeah. that kind of yeah. stuff. Yes, exactly. You know? <laughs> so, so that that's the move they make. But the the Mets have needs. You know, they have to they have to create that space because the Braves are coming and and uh, and they and they look fantastic. I mean, they're arguably better, certainly better than they did a year ago last year. So, sure. you know, watch out.
0: Doug, really good of you to join us great today. Stuff. Thanks so much, man. Be thank, well. Thank you.
2: Absolutely. Thanks, guys, for having me. Take care.
0: Doug Glanville of ESPN Marquee Sports Network and co-host of the Starkville Podcast, but, uh, which, by the way, you got to subscribe to the Starkville Podcast. It is a hoot.
1: It's great. It's funny, it's funny you mentioned that. Andrew Benatendi has been talked with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. There might be something to that, where, where they're trying to keep him oh. from other contending teams. Listen,
0: back in the day – Back in the day, mm-hmm. you would there were general managers who would block trades well, by he claiming dudes on, wave, well, there's if there's been dudes
1: on waves. If he'll come to the Blue Jays, but he, if he's not, vaccinated, if he's not vaxxed, And that's now, now that's thing, eliminated
0: one contending team against the Yankees. Well, you I've also got to think if you're now if you're a team in the AL East and you're faced with the possibility of playing the Blue Jays in the playoffs, or the yeah, the possibility of it, does that change your thinking when it comes to Andrew Benintendi? Mm-hmm. Does that change your thinking when it come to any and and we do not have, again the Ben and Tindy thing that the word is is that and I use the word in air quotes is that he, he he's he's unvaxed he was not vaxed early in the year, um and and I mean you're well well generally of of guys that, well we should we might know today mm-hmm. I've I've got to think somebody will ask Mike Matheny today who's coming and who isn't coming to Toronto, and we should have a better idea today about that but yeah that that's and and I'll tell you this especially. If you're the Yankees, like if, if if you're standing back right now and you're the Yankees, and you're saying, okay, who are we going to have to beat? Well, probably going to have to beat Houston. There's no question. And then you're looking at the other teams, you know, and you're thinking, okay, what happens if we, if we get that far? I mean, the Dodgers, like, I if I'm the Yankees, I can absolutely see the Yankees going out and trying to screw up someone else's plans. But I don't know if it would be the teams in the East as much as it might be the Astros. You know, because if I can, and here's the thing, if I can get a player that's going to screw the Astros, it's probably also going to have the impact of, of making me better and screwing some of the other teams mm-hmm. in the East. But I'm, I'm with you. I can I can absolutely see the Yankees going out And especially if what we hear, if they can get somebody to take Joey Gallo off their hands, and there are a lot of ways to do that. We'll give you this prospect if you take Joey Gallo. If they can pull that off, as John Heyman and others are reporting they're trying to do, I can absolutely see them basically getting the guy that would help every other team in baseball.
1: I just think, for me anyway, all, all the pressure's on the Yankees. There's no pressure on the Mets. The Mets got a good team. They got a, the, the the richest one... owner in baseball, who is came out and said, "I will spend whatever it takes." So you know, in years coming, he's going to spend whatever it takes to make that team good. The only and be thing good I was
0: consistently, I just think, what's Max man. Scherzer's contract? Is he just on a two-year deal? Yeah. If you're the Mets, you're. I think your window of opportunity is Max Scherzer. That's where I'm going to disagree Maybe. with you. Maybe I, I, if you're the Mets. This would be a good year to go for it, even with the Braves breathing down your neck.
1: Well, well, it is. The, and even well, with what's the Dodgers. To Aaron do. Judge, could you get a Shohei Otani in, in in Yankee Stadium? Like, there's some still some question marks on how good the Yankees can consistently be, and the pitching that they have, and and the the, the things that's going to happen to their GM if they don't win. Like, there could there could be some. I don't want to say. I guess retooling, rebooting, like some things that could happen in in with the Yankees that would allow other teams to, to catch to, to you know to, to make up some ground with them. I just think a lot of pressures on the Yankees to be really good. The, the year that they're having, they're, they're sort of running away with this. And if they don't at least make it to the to the World Series, some people are losing their jobs. Yeah. And they know it. And that's what I said. I just think there's there there needs to be a Frankie Montas or at least Luis Castillo. A big name pitcher go to the
0: Yankees. Well, the thing with big the, the thing with adding a big name pitcher too. It's easy if the Yankees add a big name pitcher. Everybody's looking for a big name pitcher. So if you add Luis Castillo or Frankie Montas, you're taking him away from a team that you're Absolutely. probably gonna because no one two birds at one stuff. Yeah. I mean the mm-hmm. the Oakland uh, bad example. The Washington's not gonna be trading for uh for Luis Castillo no. or Frankie Montes. There's only a handful of teams that would want pitchers like that. But I, I would not under considering how last year ended for the Mets, considering you brought Buck Walter in, you've got two years on Max Scherzer, I think there's there's almost as much pressure on the Mets as there is on the Yankees to 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 perform this year. I don't think anybody the second uh, we'll nobody know. loses their job with the Mets. No. Nope. Unlike New York, you're correct about that. Yep. Nobody loses their job with the, the Mets but I still think pressure there's on a, the there's a clock there.
1: pressure on Houston. I mean, with Houston and Dusty, maybe Dusty's had, sort of at the end here, and he's only got so many years left. Dodgers, Dodgers, the, have, Dodgers have been there so long; they, like they, they're going to consistently be there. Dodgers have the Padres, World Series. They have no. It's it's just it's one. It's two teams really. Yeah. It's the two teams in New York. So it is interesting to be interesting to see how it's how well, it's handled. Th- there's handled probably
0: I'm I'm sure there there's a certain pressure with the Houston Astros because you want to win for Dusty. I'm sure there's a certain pressure there, Dusty. You want it. You want to pull that off, sure. For Dusty, we've got a pair of tickets to give away to the July 27th game against the St. Louis Cardinals. We have Joe Siddle, Blue Jay Central analyst. We have Jonathan Papelbon, host of the Blackjack and Pap podcast. Former MLB closer. All that ahead in the second hour of Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the Fan Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast.